0: The Fresno Focus Radio Hour. This is the No Focus Radio Hour. Comedy and insight from the greatest minds in Fresno a Lito mine media production. That's right. This is the No Focus Radio Hour, the number one non-church-related podcast in the Central Valley. We want to remind you to subscribe to the No Focus Radio Hour. We are available wherever podcasts are sold. And remember to subscribe and leave a review. It helps others discover our show. And while you are reviewing, keep in mind that five stars is the correct number of stars. If you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends. And if you hate it, share it with your enemies. Check out our site, NoFocusRadio.com For exclusive content and merch You can find us on social media Our handle is at NoFocusRadio You can also find the rest of our shows At lightomindmedia.com. Take it away, Eric
1: I can't be with you, you know it's true But I know just what i got to do. Gonna hit the ground running. Running, 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 running just as fast as I can. Gonna hit the ground running. Running, 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 running to my favorite podcast. Oh,
0: that's right. This is the No Focus Radio, the only radio hour made for those who live in the Central Valley, for those who miss the Central Valley, and for those who... Listen to radio legend Ray Appleton in the Central Valley. That's right. As always, we have our beautiful cast of characters. We have with us Eric the Doorman.
1: Hey, Fresno, what is happening?
0: We also have
1: with us... <laughs> That's oh the shortest intro you've ever done. <laughs>
0: we also have with us Marty Stu Pedasso. Hey, it's always great to be here. <laughs> and, of course, Don Schlicks...
2: Hey Fresno, it's good to be here with you. Uh, We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Uh, We're going to go over some polls as we always do. We're going to talk about uh, funny things and but we're excited today. We have probably the second most famous person to ever be on our podcast Mm -hmm. only behind. Your friend, Austin Waltz. This is true. (laughs) Yes, this is true. Who the hell is that? (laughs) Literally just Max's friend. Uh, But you've heard his voice. Maybe you've recognized that voice. That is the famous, well-known, local Fresno celebrity and radio legend, Mr. Ray Appleton, we're happy to have him. Welcome. I'm
3: just pissed off you didn't let me sing a baritone part on (laughs) it. Oh yeah, (laughs) we take it back. We should have got a professional. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) you know
1: what? We we didn't go for uh, our buddy Johnny over there. That's right. We didn't introduce him.
0: You forgot about me, of course you did. I forgot about Johnny. Um, You guys know me as Johnny Knobs, because I control the (laughs) volume! (laughs) Um, Mr. Max here. But yeah, we are incredibly excited. We have been teasing this for a couple of weeks now. But we have with us Mr. Ray Appleton. Ray, Ah, thanks thanks for coming on, man. I'm
3: glad I could finally make it. I know I stiffed you about 90 times.
0: (laughs) No, 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 we get it.
3: (laughs) And stiffing somebody named Johnny Knobs is...
2: that's dangerous.
3: It it helps when we
1: kidnap the guest, you know, and just force him to be on the radio. We'll tell you later. (laughs) if You cooperate. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being on, sir. We appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Yeah.
2: Don't call me, sir. I'm not dead yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just call you Ray. Yeah, that'll
1: work. All right.
2: Uh, So we have, uh, obviously a great opportunity. Uh, We have this little fun podcast that we do. I kind of feel like we've invited Michael, jordan to our pickup basketball game mm-hmm. like in our front yard huh. so nah. um i hope we nah. don't embarrass ourselves uh <laughs> we will we will yeah but, we will um Rest welcome shirt. to the show and uh max max we've got some questions here do you want to just kick it off i know ray's been a long time uh, voice of yeah. fresno and lots of things have been happening Ray, these last few years have been some of the craziest that i can i've have. never seen anything like yeah it, no yeah. yeah um so the first question uh this is a big one. Um, and I'm just going to throw it your way. What is the most, you've been in Fresno a long time. What is the most positive change you've seen during your time here in Fresno? And the the other part, what is the most negative change you've seen in your time here in the Valley? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> I, I'm a native Fresno, you know, so yeah. I could
3: talk about that for the most positive thing change. Um, <laughs> If if uh, I you know I would have to I would have to fly to the cultural side yeah and say because of the addition of like you know, the Save Mart Center and all that we're we're getting mainline shows now because I mean first and foremost I'm a music guy
4: yeah even mm-hmm. though
3: I'm talking now so that that that's big time to me and the other was what what's the most negative yeah um I really can't think of one I mean I'm a I'm a you know big supporter of uh, Fresno Fresno's got a you know horrible image that we self perpetuate yeah so <laughs> I, I don't go there you know I I, I dig it. I okay.
0: Dig it. Actually, nice. speaking of, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. You know, um, your band, the Appletones. <laughs> I uh, I had the pleasure of seeing uh, you open for James McCartney. Oh God! The, uh... <laughs> what a horrible man!
4: What
3: a yes. horrible, horrible man!
0: <laughs> <laughs> How was that? How was that playing playing with James McCartney?
3: <laughs> well, I, I, oh Jesus! I mean, it was. It was. Uh, I thought we were fine. I thought he sucked. Yeah, you
0: know, he was not good, right? Yeah, I mean,
3: uh, you're Paul McCartney's son. Uh do something please. I had him on my radio program that afternoon too. And it was just the most god awful, embarrassing interview I've ever done. I've been in radio in this town for 52 years. And somebody named McCartney had to be the worst thing that ever happened to me <laughs> in radio. Really? No, I'm not I'm not I'm not kidding, man. I mean, he was uh he was just a very unhappy guy, you know? Mm. And uh I'll tell you a quick story. You know, when his father came to town, I was introduced. I'm backstage, all that stuff. And he's—he's—I don't know how he found out. He goes, "All oh, right, I understand that you've met James." And I went, "Uh, yeah, I did that." And he goes, "Oh, sorry for you, mate." <laughs> no <laughs> way, no way. Right hand to God, you know. And I, I bothered—I didn't pursue. In fact, his wife, who's a lovely lady, she's a New York attorney. Paul's wife is. She looks at me and goes, shh, no, no. She's like, <laughs> doing the no sign. Wow. So, like, so there's something going on there with dad and son <laughs> that <Uh-oh. laughs> I didn't want to pursue, you know.
0: So Wow. That wow. is awesome.
5: Well, yeah, I, that sounded like an interesting interview. Another interview you did that's very interesting is you interviewed Charles Manson. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell us about that?
3: That was weird. Um, I, I was invited down to Corcoran to just, uh, and I only recently can talk about this stuff because they didn't want me talking about it for years just to observe um, you know what uh, General Pop was like and what the prison was like. And I'm there for a, a very short time, and boom, I'm into PHU, which is Protective Housing Unit. And there's Charlie Manson. There's Saran Saran. Wow. There's Juan Corona. There's there's a, a guy, the spookiest mother I ever met, by the name of Blue Norris, who was the founder of the White Aryan Brotherhood, the prison oh, brotherhood. Mm. And uh, the, the funny thing about Charlie, is he used to send me notes telling me what was wrong with my radio program. Wow. He would critique really? it from afar. Then they stopped. They, they wouldn't let him write me anymore. And uh, he, he proceeded to tell me what was wrong with the whole country. And I'm like, what's wrong with the country, Charlie? And he goes, we need to be a theocracy, a religious-ruled country. And I went, like, you of all friggin' people talking about <laughs> a religious rule. But what was funny is um, his cell in the in this protective housing unit was right next to Saran Saran who killed Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm, right yeah. and you've got Saran Saran who was an absolute clean freak and Pig pen Charlie Manson and all <laughs> they did was fight like two old ladies you know i mean that was the, the oh high point gosh. of it. but that was it was a weird day very wow. weird day
1: how long ago when was that interview how long ago was it
3: oh we're going back maybe 15 years now i oh, mean wow. i've been at KMJ for almost 35 years so this was this goes back wow. it goes back yeah
2: so, I, so that's interesting so he he wanted a, th- a theocracy yeah did he find God at some point? Or no, was that... he claims
3: he did. Okay. But that, uh, in pursuing that, after getting to the point of finding God, he told me he was God. Oh,
4: oh So, yeah. in other words, okay, yeah. he wanted oh, to rule go. the
3: country. You Got get it? it? Now, does yeah. it sound more like Charlie? Yeah. He found yeah. Yeah. He yeah. He himself.
5: Sense. He, found there himself. You go. he found himself. Yeah. <laughs> that,
2: that is. So, on a related note about interviews, I mean, I all the people you've talked to, um, I'm trying, I, you must have. have Uh, You know, I don't know if this could be easy or hard question. What interview guest have you interviewed that surprised you the most for whatever reason? You maybe were expecting something and then they weren't the way they were that you thought they were. Well,
3: I I would I would put it this way. I wasn't so surprised as how this guest was on the air as how he was in person, Mm -hmm. because I've gotten to know him very well. It's a guy by the name of Donald Trump. Oh. When okay. he was in town trying to buy some West Side property for a, a golf uh, course, right? course called yeah. Running Horse that he wanted to do, uh, his uh, his lawyer, who's now out of jail, uh, Michael Cohen, and I, we got, <laughs> I don't say this too loud, we got real tight, we got real close. Uh, and uh, Cohen was supposed to be doing a lot of footwork for him with the the uh, capital at Sacramento on road easements and all this crap. And um, he didn't do any of it. I did. And uh, Trump got wind of it, and he was got really mad at Michael. And so Ray, you're a good guy. Blah 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 blah. And um, so it, it was what I expected on the air, mm-hmm. but in person, quiet, humble, an amazing mm-hmm. listener. Um, I, I've never seen anybody listen like Donald Trump does. Wow. I mean, a lot of people may think, Oh yeah, right. Um, and <laughs> I, can I can I use what kind of language can I use on this? Is it it's all right? right. Yeah. I want to quote the then president. Years go by and he becomes president and we're still in touch with each other. So I, I took a chance that his cell phone number was still the same. Okay. Inauguration day. Mm-hmm. And it was the first the first morning of you know that after the inauguration, I text him and I go, I go, uh, how are you feeling? And he he texts me right back and he goes, He's the president now, right? <laughs> he says, what in the f*** do I do now?
4: <laughs> and I said I, I said, I think you'll figure
3: it out, you know. That's funny. And then uh, funny. he invited me to all of the State of the Unions. I had to miss one because I was ill. But um, that's when I saw him as the president even doing more listening. Mm-hmm. Um, it, wh- when he was on the campaign trail, uh, Devin Nunes and I gave him the whole, you know, crash course on water mm-hmm. in California and farming and i'll be damned if he didn't memorize every second of it and run with it mm-hmm. mm. so he's an impressive impressive man i just wish he would have kept his mouth shut mm. you know right. i mean an arrogant sob so but th- that you know that sticks out for that reason it's how he was privately if if i could come up with somebody on the air that you know maybe was uh, a little different and see uh, that you, you you guys are probably not going to know this name she's uh she was at one time a, a, an absolute revered actress, singer, dancer, uh, a lady by the name of Eartha Kitt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eartha yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, She uh, cat was Catwoman like cat right? woman on yeah. Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eartha Kitt loved me a little too much. Oh, wow. the, 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 well, I mean, Congratulations. That was, just, that was cool. Let, let me tell you what this was all about. Um, her her uh, uh, fan club nationally was in Fresno, and the guy Peter, who was in charge of it, introduces us at a show she did at the Tower Theater, and we just hit it off. You know, now first off, she's like twenty years older than me, so I mean, and that's about right too, because I'm I'm like seventy two now, almost seventy two, and she wasn't sure of her age because there were no birth records, but she was, sure eighty something, you know, whatever. And she said, <laughs> I reminded her of of the, her true love that she never really got together with, and that was Orson Welles. Oh, we had the same eyes, and she so she writes in her book to the second most sexiest man I've ever met. That's awesome. (laughs) So I'm expecting, we finally get to uh, an interview on air, and I'm expecting all of the the caricature of how she is, you know, with the the, the trilling of her voice and going, hello, darling, and all that crap. And no, she went right into politics because she's a huge political animal. And she took it all the way back to Vietnam and dissected it. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. But um, I became, uh, this will sound bad, uh, her escort for a number of years, she would. Uh, she lived in Connecticut. I, I never went back there to, to see her, although I was invited. But anytime she was in California doing a show in San Francisco or L.A. or something like that, she'd put me on a plane and I'd show up and I'd be Mr. Date Man for the night. And, oh, that's awesome. And, and she was just an awesome, awesome lady. I mean, obviously there was no romantic thing going on. We just became really good pals. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was an outgrowth or something on the radio yeah. that I really treasure. You know, That's really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, Josh. you know, I never even heard it, you know, never even heard that side of her, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. Eartha Kitt, you always see her as kind of the sex symbol for her back then. Like cat woman, well, I said, Catwoman. Well, she
3: when, when Lyndon Johnson was in the White House, uh, she had just come back from her self-exile in France. There was so much racism here. Mm-hmm. She went over to France where she became a giant star. And she's, you know, from, from both worlds. Her father was white and her mother was black. And her nickname used to be Yellow Girl because of her skin color and all mm. that. And uh, one of the first things she did when she came back to the States is she was invited to the White House by Lyndon Johnson, Hmm. President Johnson. And she went in there and just read him the riot act over (laughs) Vietnam. And that's where this whole conversation picked up. I said, tell me about the White House. And I think I said it was uh, 1966. And she, boom, she just took off like a rocket ship. And and that was... A different side of uh, Eartha Kit that nobody's ever heard before.
0: Now, also, yeah. in, did you mention that uh, her fan club was based in Fresno? Yeah, 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 yeah. That is... A- yeah, a guy <laughs> by the name of Peter, man. He was... Uh,
3: uh, he's uh, involved with Fresno State now. He was the president of her fan club. And oh, wow. I used to think he was full of bull, and she shows up in town and says, Ray, I want you to meet Eartha. Eartha, this is Ray. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And that's oh, awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good memory. <laughs>
1: Also, I, I got a question. Uh, I read something about you uh, being a greased watermelon champion, 1962. Boy Scout? Is camp? that? Yeah. Where did yeah, yeah. you get that? <laughs> um, the internet's but, an amazing but, place. But, but, that, but, that, but I want to hear about that, how you became a, a greased watermelon champion. But also, there's another story about a doctor who treated you that day, too. right? Sick. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us about wow, that? Wow, man. That's, you're going
3: back a long time. <laughs> I'm in Boy Scout camp. I'm 12 years old. Up at Camp Chawanahee at Shaver Lake. Mm -hmm. And I'm fat. You know, I'm not exactly skinny now, but I'm I'm the fat kid that everybody picked on. And so just as a joke, the Scoutmaster put me in what they call the greased watermelon
4: race. (laughs) Which is
3: you're out in this, you know, stanchioned off area in the lake. You know, it's like a swimming pool that isn't and they throw a greased watermelon, and you're supposed to grab it and take it on shore first. Oh, boy. Okay, <laughs> well, God. I just decided in my my little old head that I was going to show everybody up, and I was going to have that watermelon if it killed me. And, of course, they got the big Explorer Scouts in there with their muscles and all that and these other guys. And First, I'm the youngest one. I'm the fattest one. And I just sort of laid back on shore while these guys are killing each other over this this watermelon. And I knew that they'd tire out. <laughs> and so finally, this one guy, and he had to be, he was an explorer. He's like 6'2, and I'm not exaggerating. And he's coming up out of the water. And I just, I just threw a tackle. I bagged him and I knocked him over. <laughs> and I got the watermelon and I ran to shore. And there's like, you know, 600 Boy Scouts looking at the fat kid, and they're just like, oh yay. I mean, I was the hero. You yeah. Oh, well, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that's so great. Now, going back to our camp, uh, I we had to walk across this old rickety bridge. So you know everybody walked across it, no big deal. And I go walking across it, and there's a whole bunch of all of my guys from our troop 36 are behind me. A little too much weight on the bridge, and it mm. collapses, mm. and we go flying down. And but unbeknownst to anybody, in the stream that uh, that the, the bridge was over, there were old uh, railroad ties, and one went through my leg. Oh, a worn railroad the night, tie. Yeah. Oh a, my God. Splen- a, a, a shattered one. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So. um if I was wearing shorts, you'd see the scars. I mean, it's still very prolific to this day. And I didn't really feel anything. And I looked down. I'm just like, oh, shit. And the <laughs> the scoutmaster's, Appleton, don't talk that way. And I'm like, look. And he's like, oh, my God. And it was, I mean, it was. Serious injury. Mother gruesome. Yeah. 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 Wow. And they had to get saws and cut it and then lift me and put me in the oh, back of a golly. 1949 Studebaker pickup truck that <laughs> burned all the valves going down to Iwani. And I'm bleeding and I'm passing in and out. And. So they they t- <laughs> they take me to the only clinic that's there, and uh, I said, "Doctor, I'll be right with you. Calm down, calm down." And I noticed one thing that was kind of peculiar: all of his nurses were these little tiny brown women from South America. Ah. Mm. South America. Do we get the connection? Yeah. World War II. <laughs> and in comes this very big, giant uh, doctor. Uh, I'm not going to say his name, but it was a very Teutonic German name. Mm-hmm. And he had a very German accent, and he pulled back the, uh, the, the the cloth on my leg, and he goes, oh, just like Devor. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and even I'm thinking, you know, yeah. is this Dr. Mangala or what's going on here, you know? And it, he sewed me all up, and, 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 and a great job. And I remember he gave me painkillers. It was phenobarbital, which is, I mean, I was hired wow. at a chicken <laughs> og- <and> a <laughs> and I didn't want to go home. I wanted to stay, so I stayed, you know, and uh, go home. My mother's like freaked out. Why didn't you come home? I wasn't done with camp yet. I had 140 stitches in my leg, both sides. Oh, my God. And they weren't even sure they got everything out of it. And uh, it ruined my kneecap and all this. It kept me out of the the military, Vietnam. Wow. Um, uh, And I even tried to join, too, like a dummy. But um, so anyway, years later, well, first off, we go, my mother takes me to to my doctor. And he's looking at the stitching and he's going, that's military. And he looks at my mother's and he said, My mother, and he says, But not ours. And my mother's going, What are you saying? And he goes, Well, we'll talk privately. And I don't know what they said. But then a couple of years later, I'm like now 14, 15, and the guy's a Nazi war criminal. Oh my God. And it makes a little bit of news, you know? (laughs) And he's from one of the camps where he was doing whatever he was doing. And he escaped to South America. And sure enough, all the little nurses went with Mm. him. And, and, you know, but the doctor said he did it. Damn fine job of putting your leg back together," he says. "For somebody who was in a hospital setting, he did just an amazing, amazing job." And I said, "Like, yeah, kind of like somebody who was patching peeled up people up in the field, you know? Yeah, you know, yeah." So that's the story. That is crazy. crazy. That's a
2: trip. So was he was he arrested or did he? He died. He died, and and
3: they found out out who he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he didn't Uh, have a
2: a a record of
3: torture or anything like that. He was actually the physician in one of the Polish camps. Who took care of sick prisoners of war? Um, Nazi, it wasn't a concentration camp. Okay, it was a POW camp. Australians, uh, Americans, English, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he didn't have a record of any nasties. Yeah, except he was a member of the Nazi party, and he was, he was, yeah, he was who he was, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, wow. but my doctor. I, I I'll never forget to this day. He's just like that's amazing work, and he goes because my doctor was a, a big shot in World War II. Mm. And he was a pediatrician at the time, and and he just said, but but that's just not ours. He goes, I, I recognize that, but that's not ours. Wow. wow. And my mother's just, like, shaking, you know. It's my kid, you know, the victim of a Nazi. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> that's
1: amazing they can tell from the stitches, though. Yeah. You know?
3: <laughs> he knew in, in, in 10 seconds. i never forget that. I was wow. 12 years old. I'll never forget that. He looked at it, and he immediately knew who and what it was.
5: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you've had an incredible life, Ray. Um You've done amazing things. You've even learned how to fly a B-25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, first off, I always say that, you know, I've never had a real job. (laughs) I I haven't. I've had a ball, and I I don't take it for granted. I've had an incredible life. I mean, I've been to 129 countries. I've met everybody that's everybody, you know. And um, 1992, I got a call from a friend, Joe Davis, who owns uh, Eagle Field, which is the last standing army air base out in Dos Palos. Mm. A lot of people don't know that it's out there, but it's there. Yeah, I didn't know. And he's he's in the process of restoring it, and it's pretty much together. And this is where a lot of the uh, fighter pilots and bomber pilots were trained for World War II. Mm. And uh, a lot of them wound up flying the Mitchell bomber, the B- B-25s. And he yeah. got a wild hair up his wazoo that for the 50th anniversary of the Doolittle Raid, which, mm-hmm. you know, 30 seconds over Tokyo, that mm-hmm. whole thing, where Jimmy Doolittle took seventeen Mitchell bombers off the deck of a of a, a carrier, never been done before. That was the first time, and they the the whole thing was to bomb Tokyo yeah. and demoralize Tokyo, yeah. and then crash land into China, mm-hmm. uh, and where the Chinese would pick them up and take care of them because we were allies. Uh, and, I, and he wanted to duplicate that. I go, oh, oh, really? <laughs> wow. and, and he says, "Can you help me raise the money to do it?" And I, he goes, "I've got the planes." And I went, "All right, yeah." And, so I raised, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for liability insurance and flu. And sure enough, we got an invitation from the Department of the Navy to put our, our planes together. And this is where I learned to kind of fly right seat. <clears throat> and uh, we would be, uh, we would, the, 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 the planes would be craned up to the deck of the Ranger, which has since been decommissioned out of North Island. And we would take it out to sea. And we would, and before that, we practiced takeoffs. On the same distance that Doolittle had on his carrier. Now the carriers are much bigger now, yeah. but to do it the right way, we wanted to take off with the amount of space that he had, so we had to do it early, you know. And so we we did that, and we organized all of his surviving Raiders wow. to be on the observation deck of the uh, oh, wow. of the Ranger while we did this.
2: That's awesome. And then
3: we flew over Doolittle's home, and and he was out on his car, you know, at the rest home that he was at, and waving and saluting oh, and how all cool. that. But um, <laughs> here's another another story for you i was in a in a plane called executive suite and we we're doing all right we're, we're off we're running you know we're everybody yay look at these guys the <laughs> first time in 50 years to the day this has been done and we're out over we're coming up to santa barbara and all of a sudden um right engine catches on fire oh jeez! <laughs> yeah. and we're in deep shit yeah. i mean we're in really big trouble and the the, uh, the Federal uh, Aviation Commission, they, they immediately pushed us out, get out over the Pacific Ocean, fly low in case you have to ditch, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, we're flying literally five, 600 feet over the ocean, mm-hmm. full out, trying to get to Santa Barbara so we can belly land, you know, uh, in the airport mm-hmm. there. It was our only chance unless we... Had to splash, and God only knows what would have happened. You could bail
5: out, and the Chinese will save you, right? right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's somebody with a Chinese menu, maybe. So So the the problem was we had to cut the fuel lines because they go from engine to engine in these old things. Because and the fire was just tripping along the fuel lines, making its way from right to left. You know, but at the same time, we still needed (laughs) the left to get where we were going. Yeah. So we're using a minimal fuel, you know, vapors to keep this thing all out, full flaps, and uh, we made it. To, to just by the hair of our, you know what, uh, to Santa Barbara, and we ditched. And There's a great picture. I don't have a copy of it though. I only saw it. We caught all the oleanders on fire. No.
4: Oh, so God. here we are
3: on the deck, screaming along, and all the oleanders are on fire behind us. But it looks like we're we're laying out this trail of gas. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. this is a real bitchin' accident, you know. But it wasn't. <laughs> and um, we, we made it. And I didn't know that the impact I'd broken my back. Oh, wow. Wow. I learned that a couple of years later because yes. I was having all this back pain. And uh, the orthopedic surgeon guys were saying, oh, how did you break your back? And I go, oh, how did I break my back? And, you know, we're going through all the incidents. And, and I said, well, it could have been. Uh-huh. And they go, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it
0: was. Wow. The plane crash. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. the funny numbers. thing
3: about the plane crash that while we were up in the air, this guy in a, in a Learjet was bird dogging us. And he went out over the ocean with us, and he was reporting back to the tower, and mm. he being a real good guy, you know? Mm. We didn't know who the was. So he pulls up next to us, where we're, we're you know, they have these port windows in the, the bomber, you got to throw yourself out of it, because you can't go out the bottom. The bottom's on the ground, you right. know? The, yeah. the bomb bay doors. And um, so we throw ourselves out, and, you know, we, we do the old somersault. That's the way you do it without killing yourself. We learned that before we went up. Never thought we'd have to use it. <laughs> and he... he Comes up next to us. He opens up the, the the tail end of his jet. Get in. What do you mean, get in? Get in. He goes, I'll fly you to Fresno. We went, okay. And we all got into this. Guy. And he's got the champagne and the booze and hors d'oeuvres and all that. No And way. his plan was to, he was just trailing us all over the state. His plan was to land in Fresno and party with us. Oh, he was wow. a guy wow. from Sacramento. Okay. But he wound up taking us there. Well, we got out so fast after we got in. Channel 24 locally is reporting us missing in action. Oh, no. Uh, and my mother's just dying. She, oh, my God, my son went down the ocean. And then we show up in the back of this Learjet, and everybody's like, you're alive. Yeah. There's about 10,000 people at the airport. Like All great, the other bombers came in. You grand know. entrance, right? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah so that, that was one of the other experiences, you know. Oh, my gosh. That so reminds
2: me of a story uh, – we have the same parents. So he, uh, my mom and dad one time got invited by a friend this back in the seventies, right? When they moved to Fresno, he said, I just got my license. We got, I got a plane come fly with me. And they're like, they're a little nervous. I'm <laughs> like, flying yeah, with yeah. Me. Yeah. So like, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. We'll go. Uh, you know, I don't remember where he's going to fly him and we'll come back. So he takes off. They're flying, they're flying. No problem. They come back to Fresno and, uh, he's just starts circling the airport and, uh, they're like, what's, what's wrong? He's like, I could fly. I'm just not very good at landing.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Thanks for telling us. So
2: he keeps trying to, he makes, he's making these like attempts to land and then he'll chicken out and like zoom back up <laughs> in the sky. And the Fresno Tower's like, land, your plane. He's like, I don't have enough room. The, the runway's not big. And they're like, we land 747s here. Like, you have enough room. Just land.
1: He's starting to freak out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah.
2: I, I figured he got down all right. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> well, you're coming down one way or the other, right? Yeah. You're either going to land it or run out of fuel. So, so
2: you like you're a big fan of music you're in a band you play music i yeah. want to know I, we all love music here i've been in a band uh max is a musician all of us i got except for marty maybe
5: i uh play I, the didgeridoo okay. <laughs> he does he, does. he can I, circle breathe he does backup vocals yeah, for our I podcast ass, poorly ba- well, i played bass very poorly in high school very cool so uh i want to know growing up what were your
2: who and what were your musical influences listening to oh my god there were so many back
5: then. yeah i mean i'm like he, a child of the 60s you grew up, in yeah, the grew up in an amazing time with fantastic yeah, I was born musicians.
3: in 1950 so I, I hit it all you know elvis the beatles and um geez, i mean yeah i was my influences how about everybody yeah, I mean, hit all the braids yeah. you know saying. i mean the beatles the stones led zeppelin i mean let's just go forever you yeah
2: know? what about today is there any uh what kind of music do you like to listen to today Anybody sp- uh, particular in the way of new stuff yeah or more recent.
3: Well, yeah, I, I don't want to be an old fuddy-duddy and say, no, I only listen to my crap. Well,
2: I, I uh, like that. You know? Um,
3: <laughs> I'm like there that, too. Are, there are tunes that I like, but the problem is I can't tell you who it is. Yeah. Uh, no, I get that. Uh, like, uh, well, I can't remember his name. Um, oh, how embarrassing. He's, you know, he's Prince Light. <laughs> uh, oh, Yeah. Uh, oh, like oh. Bruno Mars. Bruno, yeah, Bruno Mars, Mars. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Bruno yeah. Mars is good I, I've yeah, seen him uh, three times, and it's just like a hell of a show. Yeah, he's on. a
2: great entertainer.
3: Best concert I ever. asked me what's the best concert I ever saw. Best hey, concert? Ray, what's the best concert you <laughs> ever saw? I said his name, Prince. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. My I can imagine. Oh, my, I, I was not a believer. I, I didn't like his records or any of that. Of course, this is early on. And a friend of mine that I was in the record business with at AM Records when I worked there, Peter Stupar, he's a big Prince fan. And he says, "No, we're going to a private show at the Warfield. You're, you're going to dig it. You don't have to stay, but you know, just just go." And, and Prince was introducing his new band that night, called the Revolution. And uh, you know, uh, we had uh, front row seats up in the balcony, and it was like it was like a Jesus experience, man. I mean, mm. yeah. oh dear, this guy's good was I ever wrong so mm-hmm. anytime I had a chance to see him I, I
1: did I you see when to... he came to Fresno oh yeah 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 I was there too yeah that was a great concert yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just it was amazing.
2: amazing yeah one of the greatest things I I love to watch it's a it's a youtube clip but it's been played around a lot it was uh, when George Harrison passed away. My
3: guitar gently yeah. weaved. Oh, yeah. he, he came that? out and put everybody and just there. shredded. Just the it's look incredible. on Tom Petty's yeah. face. Mm-hmm. It's like,
2: what is happening You know right that now? was a walk-on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Nobody knew it was going to yeah. happen. No, yeah. I mean, he yeah. was on the bill, but he did not rehearse the uh-huh. song.
0: And he finally said, fuck <laughs> it.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah, and he came out with his axe and just, just burned. My favorite part he about
0: just that. throws
2: it and it disappears Is somehow. that for <laughs> like, a
0: couple of things. He's just wailing. Everybody's looking at him like he's just like God walking on the stage. And then he does the thing where he just leans into the audience. And they lift him back up. Yeah. and then at the end he throw he just takes his guitar off and st- tosses it in the sky yeah. and it never comes down like i still don't understand what happened yeah,
3: I, I, I gotta tell you i mean this will sound stupid but i i just uh he, he to me was the epitome of cool mm-hmm. you know i just i want to oh, yeah. be that guy when i grow up you know although i was 30 years older than him but he was i thought he was just amazing yeah he is you know? cool
1: so yeah. you say now did you want to originally be a musician and then you kind of just got on the radio how did that all happen radio was
3: a complete accident i was uh I was a zoology major at school, go figure, Uh, because I like animals, Mm -hmm. you know, still do. And um, I was living over in Santa Cruz, uh, you know, back in the 60s. Great place to live. (laughs) We won't go into it. Why? Especially (laughs) in the 60s, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was like free everything. Mm -hmm. And I mean everything. Um, And I, you know, gigging around there a little bit. I was, I'd been playing bass since 64, and this was 68, 69. Um, And, uh, I, I was hanging out with a cat who was, was a disc jockey at a place, a uh, station in Salinas and he got sick, real sick. I think I had hepatitis or something. And his boss calls me and I used to go hang out with him in the station. Just watch. Mm-hmm. His boss calls me and he says, you come and do it. I go, get out of here. Cause you've been here a number of times. I mean, you just go do it. <laughs> I went, okay, well, how much are you going to pay me? And we pay minimum wage is twenty-seven an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, oh, cool. Big money. All right. I'm there. And. Swear to God, I've been doing it ever since. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. I haven't stopped. I mean, it, it began with that little experience back then. Yeah. And you know, yeah. and how did you wind up in Fresno? Well, I was born here. So okay, I, you I came, came back. back. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I even uh, took off in 85, uh, 86, I guess it was. And I moved to England. I'd been over there a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had every uh, reason to stay there. I was doing uh, music radio. I was doing talk radio. And I had a television program. Um, and then my mother got sick only child so I, I came back and i just figured she would pass but she didn't she <laughs> faked me out and lived another 26 years you know so the the, the part-time six-month gig at kmj is still going on That's, you wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you've been around so i know you're not going to remember this my first job when i got out of college i, I studied radio tv and film i got a job at um kiss country yeah and i was on the morning show with jody joe and it was a lot of fun and then they would have me do stuff with you from time to time oh really yeah i drove the um kmj uh rv that was like the mobile oh yeah uh, boy uh, have
3: things changed since those days it was oh (laughs) four
2: yeah and so i think i did something uh in mariposa with you and a couple things around yeah we did mariposa Yeah, yeah 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 so the fun the funny thing to me was just every, i mean cuz you're you're a local celebrity and people listen to you and i think just like with celebrities we get to feel like we know you, right? Even though we've never oh, sure, met sure. you in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We hear I your get stories. that all the time. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's what I was gonna say is I I saw so many people come up to you and talk to you as if like, Ray, remember when I was we did that thing with the with the cool cars and you were so <laughs> gracious to everyone. Oh yeah, man, like how are you? You know? So yeah. is, how did you learn you know to do that with people? Is it is that something you uh, enjoy just meeting random people who feel like they know I, you? Is I enjoy awkward? people a lot, yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: You know, and sometimes when they come up to you and you go you remember when rah, 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 you uh-huh. got to fake it because yeah, right. you don't remember but yeah. mm-hmm. and i don't want to piss them off so i mean it's <laughs> i talk for a living so it's easy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well
1: for those people too it's a special memory right because yeah. no, like I, oh i got I, to do that with ray or I, you I know, guess, know yeah, yeah, yeah you know so yeah, yeah i mean I, I,
3: I keep you know tell people that are a little too starstruck i mean you know i i cut i bleed i fart i mean i'm like anybody else you know and that and you know, of all the celebrities that I've met, it's the same way. They're just people doing their job, mm-hmm. you know? And if you treat them like that, uh, it'll go real far
0: for you, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Rather than go, oh man, I got all your
0: albums and I just, I had your poster when I was nine and, <laughs> right. you know,
3: they hate yeah. that shit. So, yeah. You know?
0: yeah. 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 Or like uh, my buddy Johnny, uh, him and I, are, of course, big Beatles fans. And we, uh, my friend Johnny was at uh, Amoeba Records and I think I told this on air before uh, Amoeba Records in San Francisco and uh, Paul McCartney walked in. Johnny didn't know what to do, and he sends me a message, a picture of him. And he's like, oh my gosh, Paul McCartney's here. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to him. About 10 minutes later, he uh, he calls me up, and he's just like, I can't believe I did that. I said, what'd you do? He says, All oh, I walked up to him, and I just said, I showed him this album that I found, and I said, Hi, I found your album in the bargain bin. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> really? And he just, oh, and he just walked away like he did <laughs> it's, just, it's the worst thing to say to somebody. <laughs>
3: you know, you bring up Amoeba Records, I must have sold 3 or 4,000 albums to them, old DJ oh, copies, yeah. yeah, you know. That's I knew awesome. That place well. You want you want a George Harrison story? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in New York <laughs> with AM Records when he signed Dark Horse to uh, AM. And that's where he met his current wife, Olivia uh, Arias. She was uh, my friend Richie's secretary. And so I'm staying at Richie's house, Rich Tatoyan, who's from Fresno, but he was a big, you know, big wig back with AM Records in, in New York. And he uh, calls me because we didn't have texting or any of that mm-hmm. then. And he's like, he goes, get your ass into the East Village, meet me at such and such. And I go, well, I'm tired. What, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to have lunch with Dave Herman from WNEW, big disc jockey and and somebody named george and i'm going to george who don't worry about it you know what all right so i go flying down there and i'm like hey rich hi dave good to see you hey oh shit. he's just smiling away you know, ray how are you And i'm like oh god you know and so but anyway you're talking about them just being normal people right and, yeah. and he had been with olivia for about four or five months mm-hmm. an american girl obviously a little mexican american girl delightful lady and she she had, uh, he finally moved her over to his home in Kent in England. And she had four dachshunds, the weenie dogs. He just loved them. And he wasn't too fond of them. He liked big dogs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so anyway, he went through this whole story about going back to India to do the thing with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi yeah, with the band right. and their whole transcendental stage. And, of course, he went hog wild mm-hmm. into it. Right. And he had all these kaftans that the, the Maharishi had given him. And so he says I come home one day after in the studio with Jeff, Jeff Lynn, and he says, The fucking dog had puppies on my caftan.
4: Oh. <laughs> he says, I almost threw
3: them all in the pool, but Olivia wouldn't let me, you know? <laughs> Just normal, <laughs> everyday stuff with the Beatles. You know? yeah. awesome.
1: oh. It was pretty funny. That is cool. That's great. Yeah. Um Well, you know, I was gonna ask you too, going back, you said you kind of fell under into the radio gig, but I mean, do you ever? Did you ever kind of get nervous? Do you ever get nervous doing interviews, going on the air? Or? Never. What about in your band? Ever? Never. When you go, never. never. Wow. I think that's from years of doing radio because you just, you just, you just do you it. You just huh? go do it. You know. I yeah. mean, you
5: guys know that you're doing right. this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. I, and uh, we I like get scared though. We're scared right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like my show. of nerves.
3: My show is probably the least prepared show in radio. I got a rule. It's, we call it radio without a safety net. And I never pre-book guests unless it's somebody big, Mm -hmm. you know, president, governor, or somebody who is an expert at the moment when there's a crisis like now with Ukraine Mm -hmm, and Russia. Mm -hmm. It's just me and whatever's happening today. Yeah. And, um, you know, people are telling, oh, it's not going to work. You got to have a guest every day. Ah, no, no, they don't want to listen to you. They want to, well, no, guess what? They did want to listen to me (laughs) because, I mean, the ratings are huge. Mm -hmm. I keep waiting for them to get sick of me, you know, and we we get our, you know, we, we call it the book. And I'll go into Blake's office, the program during Oh, what's what's going on in the book? And he goes, oh, "Shut up, you're number one again." <laughs> he goes like for the uh, okay thirty first time, you know. I mean, right. Just, and I'm I'm so thankful, you know. And you keep thinking, literally, when are they going to get sick of me? Mm-hmm. And what you know, you're cycling the audience. They grow up, they die. There's more behind them, <laughs> and current events are current events. Right. Yeah. So that's what I love about this format. When I got into radio it was like you could play whatever you wanted to. Sure. You know, you know it was the old underground FM days where we all talked like that. Yeah. You got real close to the microphone. Here's a whole side of Black Sabbath because I'm going to get a <laughs> job. You know, so... <laughs> and you'd, you'd play it, you know, regardless of what was really happening. And um, that was a ball. But then it became very formatted with, you know, uh, uh, consultants and card right. files and rotation. And I just... You know, in England, it was still pretty much the last frontier where you could do a show... And you were the star of the music show right. and you did your music and you presented it your way. Yeah, you were an actual DJ, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I dug that over there at Capital the Capitol Radio. And then I used—I worked at a, a, a rock station in a station that was called UK Talk Radio Live on Oxford Street. And then that's how that whole thing evolved. They're going, you gotta, you're really up on politics and stuff you keep talking about. It. Come over to this side and do it. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm afraid. And I did it. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is like different every day. It's just like the days of early progressive rock sure. when you could play whatever you want. I can talk about whatever I want. Mm, yeah. And so that's yeah. I still do the show, my show that way to this day. Right. And that's why I love it. And I won't retire.
4: Yeah, you know? Is...
3: People get to say, when are you going to retire? And die? Everybody I know right. that right. retires dies. Exactly. You know, And I mean, <laughs> why would I retire? I, I First off, I'm going to just say this. I make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I am blessed. They pay me a lot of money. Took a while to get there. But I I make a very decent wage, and why would I quit? You know, sitting on my butt three hours a day talking about what I want to talk about. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. gonna love retirement. No, I'm not. <laughs> I like my job. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, and the station is like, please don't retire. Please don't go away. You know. So it's the
0: best of both worlds. Yeah, and Game J has been good to you. I mean, right? I mean, you've been oh, there yeah. for
3: well, I've, like, I've been good
0: years. to them. I yeah. mean, we we have a thing called um, non-traditional
3: revenue. Basically, it's it's money that's made. Above and beyond the commercials, sure, through promotions, through uh, endorsements, and I do mm-hmm. a lot of those, mm-hmm. and they they get to keep all that just simply because I make so much in their mind. So every year, aside from, you know, what my ratings bring in mm-hmm. in terms of revenue, there's another seven or eight hundred thousand dollars on top of that that I've done on the side mm-hmm. right. that goes on the books as non-traditional revenue. And the corporate back in Atlanta is like, oh, we love this guy. Right. Even though they threw me off the air last year for two weeks. They're <laughs> yeah. telling a fictitious story. but Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. So, so okay. I was going to – we talk a lot on this show about free speech. And if there's one thing that I'm seeing that scares me more than anything in the mm-hmm. world is I feel like our liberties are just being – Try, stripped away you know you look at Canada I've got a pastor friend in Canada he knows pastors who are in solitary confinement you know because they refuse to say whatever the government wanted yeah, them to say should be,
3: should be, yeah, yeah
2: um, we're seeing that all over um, so what is I know you talked about you have a friend in the Ukraine and um, if you want to tell us a little bit about that you've traveled yeah, I have the world. many friends there. yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think going on I, I mean it's been a scary time politically uh, concerns me for my future, my kids here. You know, what do you think? Uh, is how is this going to play out with Russia? What are you seeing uh, playing out? And, and speak to the the fact of, of what your friends have, have been experiencing. You know,
3: back there. Well, um, man, I, I told you about one friend that I had who started off in something they called the the Free Ukrainian Militia or something like that. I can't remember exactly what they called it. And they started off with 212 men mm. right at the beginning of this thing. Right when, the, when they started, you know, invading, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just uh, days ago. Yeah, you know, two hundred and twelve. They're not sixty-three of them. Wow. So that tell you, it, it, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still of the impression that this is going to backfire wildly on Putin. It, it's going to go right, right to the edge of nuclear. Right, so close. It's just like, and then his military is going to take him out. Mm. And why do I think that? Well, first off. One of my closest friends used to be, you know, in charge of, uh, he was the uh, chairman of the Intel Committee in the House, and that's Devin Nunes. Mm -hmm. And he happens to work for a president now named Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And uh, he still is privy to a lot of things without compromising Mm -hmm. any of his information Mm -hmm. and all that. But what we're we're not hearing, uh, but I think we're going to begin to hear, is that there are many, 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 many Russian soldiers going into Ukraine who felt like they'd been ripped off. Mm. They weren't told where they were going. They've got lousy food. They have no uh, 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 medicines or anything for themselves. And many of them are dumping their uniforms as soon as they get in. Right. What Putin didn't count on is first off, 86% of the Russian military's conscriptions, they're mm. drafted, mm. They're, they're against their will. Right. And let's say probably half of them have relatives and close friends in ukraine friend, yeah yeah and they're they're peeling off their uniforms finding their pals with their cell phones going with them and fighting for the other side mm-hmm. finally tonight on fox there were two russians that were interviewed yeah we were and we're not anymore we're here and we're fighting the very battalion that brought us here yeah uh and putin gave the order for this country to be taken in nine hours and you can see it's been six, seven <laughs> yeah. days now. Yeah. He's losing. Yeah. They're fighting uh, even guy, though they've yeah. taken Kherson and they've taken Kharkov and I, I know both of those areas very well and have friends there, the, the 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 Russian military is there, but what I'm hearing from them is they don't know what they're doing.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. You know,
3: they're raiding stores to get food because they don't have any. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're asking Ukrainians, can you help us out? <laughs> you know, there's a very wow. poignant video that I have of a Ukrainian soldier who was captured by a U- Ukrainians, you know, the people, that, you know, just last week on Thursday, the Ukrainian military gave away 18,000 weapons in one day, mm-hmm. AKs and handguns and all that. Just a civilian, and this was a, a family of four women and a husband, and they captured a couple of guys. One of them escaped, but one of them, it, they still have. And theres a, I got this video of him. They're feeding him. He's drinking tea. He's crying while the matriarch of the family is calling his mother in russia wow. letting her know that her soldier son is in good hands mm. he's going to be taken mm. care of we got him don't worry about it we'll get him back to you mama no problem right and then and then i come to find out it's going on all over the country yeah. that a lot of these ukrainian families are capturing russian soldiers and they're just like oh we we give up man yeah. you know and my my grandmother was ukrainian here's mm-hmm. my picture i've been here a million times and they're like kind of welcoming them into their family yeah. and calling their parents back in Russia. And that's going to backfire once that gets out in Russia Yeah, with all of the, the protestation that's going on, protesting is going on in Moscow now. Tens of thousands of people every day are protesting in Moscow. Putin has already arrested 7,000 Muscovites, you know. Really? And, and, oh, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. And it's a mess. And just tonight I heard that the Special Forces General of their Air Corps was assassinated by Ukrainian... Sniper, oh, wow. a civilian, wow. took, you know, Putin's number two guy out, hmm. number yeah. two guy out. And that shit's going to be going on the whole time until, uh, you know, you know, Putin takes a bullet right? and it'll be from his military. Hmm. There's a, there's a Russian oligarch in, in this country who says, I'm a native Russian. I'm a passionate Russian and I am all for the denazification of my country. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to offer a million, two million, five million to any officer in his military that Takes him out. Yeah. Then he amended that a little bit. Don't kill him, but he's got to be. He's got to be tried. Yeah, he's got to be. Yeah. He's got to serve his just dessert. But here's the check. You know, and he's holding it up in the media. There it is. I mean, you put the number on it. Just get rid of him.
0: So yeah, that's a really interesting uh, view, I guess, too, or just idea to think through. Is that since everybody in the army has kind of been forced to be there, and a lot of them, you know, Russians are, you know, the, the average citizen isn't a bad guy, right? And they're going into... Uh... The
3: Russians are great. I've been there yeah. a number of times, yeah. too, just and like
0: Ukraine, you know? And they're getting sent into a place. It's really just He's opening... They're sending young soldiers, too. And yeah. the, the I mean, you got soldiers. it. These yeah. cats
3: are 17, yeah. 18 years old. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. opening You know, Putin And they don't know... They to... did not know where they were going. No. Nobody was told.
2: Right. Yeah, I, you know? I, well, I, Speaking wow. of that, I mean, obviously, Russia controls the media. It's a... It, Oh, yeah. Just like Canada now and China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I remember when in 14, 2014, when they took the I was there. Rimmed, were you? I was the, there. Oh, wow.
3: Devin Nunes got my ass out. You no. know what? He
2: rescued my uncle when yeah. Lebanon went to war in 2006. The yep. Civil War broke out again. My dad called Devin Nunes, and he helped wow. rescue my uncle. Devin
3: texts me. He goes, you still there chasing women? I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> he goes, he goes you, do you, no, you you got to get yourself to Kiev, and I'm getting you out of there. That's all. Awesome. He says, it's going to get ugly, and it yeah. did.
2: No, but I remember yeah. reading that most of the Russians, because they're only they only read what their government tells them, they didn't even know that that was happening in 2014. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the newspaper oh was gosh. telling them, you know, they were just, oh, it's not happening. So just most another of, day. Yeah. 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 Nice to
3: see here. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's awful. I'm mean, I'm just literally sick over it. Um, but I think it'll get right to that that edge, and then it'll end. And you know, but I mean, the damage that's been caused so far, and. I, I did a lot of hanging out in Odessa, and the uh, Russian uh, naval flotilla is off the coast right now. My friends can see them because mm. they're here. They're here. They're going to take us. You know, we're next. And a uh, beautiful city, uh, very Western, so pro American in Odessa. Mm. It's just, it's, I would go there and do a little work for uh, ITV in England, or I would just go there to see friends, and I was treated like a god. You know, you're from mm. not only in America, but you're from California for crying out loud. <laughs> you know, and I ju- it just, it sickens me Mm -hmm. but uh aside from the you know the missiles and all the terrible things that are happening the the average russian foot soldier i don't think they're going to be that big of a player in this mess you
5: know right yeah
1: Mm. yeah that's That's
5: one thing about social media is a lot of the things you mentioned are coming out in social media if you follow like um ukrainians in on tiktok or instagram yeah yeah yeah. they're posting a lot of the stuff well a lot of those
3: videos of these soldiers are on tiktok Mm -hmm. where they're you know calling their mom and all that and the, the thing that troubles me the most is they've moved in the pressure bombs, they've moved in the cluster bombs, they're, they're moving in all of this illegal,
4: yeah,
3: illegal, against the Geneva, Geneva Convention. The pressure bombs, if you know about them, it, it's, it's, a, it's horrible. It's a, it's a bomb that goes off in a straight line, and as it goes off, it's spreading a liquid. Mm. And then that liquid ignites Ugh, about okay. five or ten minutes later, just taking everything out. Ugh. It's it's worse than napalm in yeah. Vietnam. Honestly, yeah, it's
1: kinda like Napalm. And th- napalm. they
3: know that they are there. They've seen them in the back of trucks. They know they've hauled them into key but none have been used yet. Mm. But when they do but I, and I think if he uses those, uh his own military will be so repulsed the generals will say, Okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta go, you know. So but they'll it would be a horrific mess. Uh if if they use just one of those i mean I do you know. think this
1: could cause a civil war in in russia i mean no no no
3: no uh they're horribly peaceful people they've been through so much they know their history mm-hmm. they know that stalin killed 23 million of them
4: mm-hmm.
3: they, they they know what they went through in world war 2 they don't want nothing but to sit back on their butts and drink vodka mm. and i say that very affectionately <laughs> you know and again every yeah. time that i would go somewhere in russia and they would find out I was American. I was like everybody's best friend, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they're they're a little bit more robust than Ukrainians. Uh, they're a little tougher. They like to fight, you know, but it's friendly fighting. It's not mm-hmm. like war fighting or any of that. Uh, whereas the Ukrainians are just, I mean, they're just delightful, peaceful people. They're just wonderful. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But, you know, that, that one little factoid that all of these guys are, you know, conscripted, conscripted, 86 of them. And so many of them had relatives and buddies there, mm-hmm. you know. Now they're there. Oh, we're in Ukraine. Oh, wait, we got to kill these people. <laughs>
2: yeah. I grew
3: up here. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. So it, it's going to blow up in his face.
2: Yeah, I, I have a question from your perspective. Uh, switching back to California, you know, growing up, California, it wasn't that long ago we, we had a Republican governor, and, and but now we, it's a one-party state, and all this progressive stuff is coming. And it, do you see it all in the next ten years? getting so far to one side that we start to swing back a little bit to the moderate i i, I, th-
3: I think it will yeah. um you know the the founding fathers if they were still alive they would be going see we told you
4: mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. preached
3: against something called the 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 uh, uh, tyranny of the majority mm-hmm.
4: uh
3: and this is why they did not want a true democracy i say this on my program all the mm-hmm. time in a real democracy <laughs> it's like france if the majority says, we're going to cut off the king's head, it's law and it's legal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're the majority. We win. You know, we're going to kill all you guys. And in a constitutional republic, we're governed by a document. Mm-hmm. And it's a document that the founding father said is not a thinking document. It's not a malleable document. It's not a living document. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you're going to have this thing called the tyranny of the majority. Well, we gave up on the California Constitution in Sacramento, obviously, Mm -hmm. and that's what the voters wanted. So now we have what's called the tyranny of the majority. Mm -hmm. And the Founding Fathers would go, okay, there's the example. (laughs) There's the example right there. And I think ultimately, and it may take about 10 years, people are going to figure that out. And
0: they go. This is not the way to fly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. just
3: it's costing too much money. Mm-hmm. I'm not you know? sure how
0: they're not figuring it out now, especially <laughs> in like the most yeah. liberal areas of California, which are just complete like literally gar- covered in human, literally, literally covered yeah. in. Well, there, there's yeah. that,
3: and there's the the problem. They don't have any water. Right. Uh. They're, they're, all of a sudden their taxes are sky high. Everybody's getting it. You know. Mm-hmm. People can't and, and it. And this yeah. is what changes statistically liberals into conservatives it's their wallet always it's, mo- it's always, they always, always, yeah. always the taxes in the economy yeah, that's, that's, that's 100 of the time
0: yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah so i think i think they'll figure it out yeah i was driving by a gas station uh, off of uh, clovis avenue on the way here it was 569 yeah, I saw Whoa. well i was oh, in cayucas
3: wow. this weekend 608 golly
0: jeez oh, i Gosh. just
3: <laughs> and i needed gas too and i'm going nope i'm not going to do it yeah and the <laughs> friend i'm with she's going you're on fumes, dude. I go, I don't care. I'm not paying <laughs> we're six bucks. If we have to walk
0: through Pacheco Pass, I'm going to get some cheap gas. <laughs> yeah.
2: Push it to the top of the hill and we'll, we'll coast. coast this. I together. couldn't believe
0: yeah. it. I was. It blew my mind. I was. I just I not going to pay six dollars yeah. for gas. No
3: way. What? Yeah. With the price of oil that you know, a barrel of oil, seven dollar gas is going to be right around the corner. Oh, right around the corner. You yeah. know. And, yeah. and where are we getting our oil from? Who are we getting it from? Russia. Oil? Russia. You better believe it. Where, wasn't right?
2: it just a few years ago we were. Uh, Energy. Uh, we we, independent, were,
3: independent, we were a net yeah. exporter we were of oil. We, it, exporter, we were selling it. We were selling it. Thank no, you, it Donald Trump.
2: Yeah. So wait a second.
0: Two days ago, I heard our president say that we're our sanctions are stopping uh, Russia from getting all yeah, of our stuff. Yeah, the sanctions <laughs> that don't hit for thirty days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, those sanctions. Oh, that's He's right. Like, yeah, we put it, we're putting. Our sanctions are damaging uh, Russia. I'm like, we just sent them billions of dollars for oil. Um, let me. Um, and it's yeah. been <laughs> figured out by the
3: economists in this country. Once the sanctions do hit, if we keep buying. The oil, as we are twenty four percent more this year right. than last year, because people want to drive. The pandemic's over. Uh, it's it's not going to backfill what Putin loses no. personally. No. Right? He's going to remain the rich kid on the block. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, oh, Biden. Oh. Don't even, I don't even want to. Talk, don't get me started. Yeah. No, this so- will be a four hour show. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I've been talking. I. It's interesting because I've had liberal friends uh, who who have been like. What happened? <laughs> like, and I try to tell them like foreign policy matters. You know, uh, they think that if the United States plays nice with people, that they're going to get results. And you look back to '14 when Obama was running, ISIS all of a sudden was was chopping people's heads off.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. You look. Yeah.
2: Four years of Trump it was the most peaceful years we've had. You know, no new wars, no nothing. Uh, Middle East was was having peace uh, agreements. You know, peace accords. Yeah, peace accords in the Middle and, East. <laughs> and then you, yeah. you get you know, this like weak foreign policy and, and you see what happens like immediately. It was very
3: know? obvious to Putin. He got the green light. Yeah. With the way that uh, Biden butchered uh, Afghanistan. Oh, yeah. That was a go. Oh, okay, yeah. we got it. Mm-hmm. Look at that. They're not going to do anything, that old fart, you know, right. and off we go.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, if, if you, know, you know, I hate to say this, but it's, it's, it's fact now. You can see it. If Trump were still there in the White House, none of this would have no. happened. Yeah. And if we were, and even if, uh, we were still energy independent. Had Biden not done everything he did, right. we'd, none of this still would have happened. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have the money to do what he's doing. He
2: wouldn't have the cards to, to right. do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so,
3: I mean, ugh. a lot of this can be blamed on the current administration.
2: Yeah. Marty, you were
0: going to say something. I could see you were
5: talking. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you were you thinking. It's fascinating. About- it's. It's. I used to listen to you when I was. Um. I was used to being an an undertaker, and oh, I would wow. have bomb bodies. I would listen to your radio show all the time, <laughs> and it's, just, it's 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 always magical to hear you talk because you come with such a great wealth of information, such life experience. Have you ever thought of writing a memoir?
3: I'm working on one.
5: That would be perfect. Somebody finally
0: talked me into it.
5: Because you have a lot of intelligent things to say.
0: We need to listen to more intelligent people. Who are you going to hire to uh, read the audio book? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe my son. Yeah. I mean, he's a journalist. Yeah. Actually, how is? He was one of my students at Fresno State. He's kicking ass, That's what he's, I heard. He's like writing for... Um... He's at the uh, Indianapolis Star now. Awesome. Where he's the sports and
3: entertainment columnist, and that's all he wanted. That is I mean, so he was cool. a political writer up until then, and I'm like, Rory, you're so good. You're so fair. Don't get... Don't yeah. stop. I got it. It was driving me nuts. So, yeah. I mean, and, he, and he's always been a sports guy and yeah. a music freak, so... Writing about he, the He got his and, wish. Yeah. I mean, his first day on the gig, it's like, okay, and I go, I interview John Mellencamp. And he's like, oh, okay. Because that Indianapolis, so cool. that's yeah. where Mellencamp is. His that's his home, awesome. you know? Wow. So Yeah, it's was cool. Rory's loving life. That's he good. Ball.
0: I mean, even when he was, was a couple, number, number, number of years ago now, uh, he was a student of mine at Fresno State. And he started writing for, uh, I think he was writing for the Collegian and then doing some stuff for Fresno B. Yeah. doing um And then during that class, he started writing stuff for like... um I want to say like GameStop or what? Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 right. He had all that game things. Game things, doing, yeah. and uh, I was like reading through them because he's like, "Hey, check this out." I'm like, "Like you're, a, you're really good." Most yeah, of he of is that. good. Yeah. He's really good. And then you know, not that long after, I saw he's like a legit journalist working for like. Yeah, kind of I use thing. my mouth. He uses a pen. You know, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah,
3: that's very cool. He had. There's one story real quick at the. Uh, he called me one day at the Fresno Bee. He was so mad, and his editor told him to go out and find a story about. Devin Nunes and Rory's like oh okay what do you what what's the lead what 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 do you want Mm -hmm. me to do well you know just go find something oh yeah of course your father knows him go find something Mm. you mean like make it up well I'm not saying that (laughs) and he called me and I've never heard Rory lose his temper he was on fire he wanted to kill this guy (laughs) and it
0: was shortly after that they were out of there off to Las Vegas boom see ya right Mm -hmm. wow that's how it is all right i'm going to switch things up a little bit i want to hear you've been in fresno for a long time we talk about food on this show a lot because uh yeah. i like food um i used to be a big fat guy and i'm always uh always still a big fat guy on the inside so <laughs> i want to know where do you like to eat in town cuz you i'm sure you've eaten in a lot of
3: places well i am a creature of, of habit i go to the elbow room a lot elbow room mm-hmm. Close yeah. to the house
2: limelight how about yeah oh yeah wow, yeah limelight's good
3: yeah, yeah. Limelight. seranians Sh- oh, Sher- right. a... Uh, it's not, it's, I, I'm more into the restaurant tour than I am the restaurant. Mike Cerrini knows the Elbow Room's good mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. Fansler, who owns 30 restaurants, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friend. And go to all his restaurants. Um, you know, uh, Bismo's, um, mm-hmm. Dave's Barbecue Place. <laughs> I'm at a brain fart. I don't remember the name of it. I eat there once a week.
1: Oh, Westwood's? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah Westwood's. You too. know,
3: and... Uh, this that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean well, the, the thing that I like here is we got a lot of good ethnic food. Yeah, great Japanese food, mm-hmm. Indian food, Thai, yeah. Thai food. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just I, yeah I, anywhere it's like good.
0: You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah,
2: that's so true. Yeah,
0: Fresno is like this weird little food hidden food capital, right? Yeah. We'll bring. Yeah. um we yeah. have a lot of at our at our business. You know, we have a lot of um, guests come in. We do chocolate for some famous. Chefs and things Cabernet like that. Cabernet filled chocolates. Oh my god! And well, you know some. I've had those for years. Oh, I should have. Brought, I brought you some caramels, not as nice as Cabernet chocolates. <laughs> um, you know, we'll have some pretty big. You know, chefs you would know from Food Network. These big chefs, and they'll come to town, and be like taking them to like this little hole in the walls. Yeah. You know, like uh, Mama's Asian Noodle House, which is just like this. That's, that's cool. That's yeah, and cool. they and they'll lose their mind. They're like this is the best thai food or Asian that i've ever had you know and i'm mm. going that's right i'll give
3: you one in carmel that i just discovered the other day with my daughter and it's a literal hole in the wall okay but it's right in carmel proper it's called tommy's walk
0: tommy's walk oh
3: okay. my it's chinese food but oh my god i had maybe one of the top three meals in my life at this really? place two wow. saturdays ago I i'm just standing up in the middle of the the meal and i w- walked right into the kitchen And everybody's looking at me, who's the big white guy? I'm going, where's the chef? I want to shake this man's hand. I mean, I was. And and I met Tommy himself. And it
0: it was unbelievable. Yeah, Carmel. I've had some good food in Carmel. I've also had one of the most uh, disappointing omelets in my life. It was my fault. I went to this breakfast place that everybody told me to go to. And um, I forget the name of it. And they told me to get the lobster omelet. And I was like, oh. Lobster omelet. Turns out, I don't think I like lobster in my <laughs> omelet. It was it was pretty
5: funky, actually. <laughs> I, wow. like, I had oh. an oyster omelet at Dorn's in Morro Bay. Don't ever get the oyster. Yeah, it doesn't it's sound like good. someone yeah, sneezed that's... in your omelet. Was... Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. I ate it, but you know, because my wife was laughing at me, so I had to do it. But it was just nasty. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Don't that's
0: remind great. me about how early I got to get up tomorrow. Thank oh you. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that is you know. Speaking of which our show. We've hit the time limit. Um, I do want well, to... I wasn't hinting, by the way.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I just was
0: reminded of this Gotcha. conference call. I have to take it at 6.30. Um, but it is. Our, our time is up, everybody. We could go a little bit longer. You guys have some more questions here? This is what we'll do. Well. All right. This is what we're going to do. It is yeah. time because uh, I can hear the music rising. So there it is. There it is. Everybody, uh, can I thank say you. one more thing? Yeah, oh, please. please. This eat? was a gas. I'll come back sometime if you oh, want. We you oh, we would
3: love to yeah. have you. I mean, you this, on. this is fun. This is quite different from what I do. So. Yeah. And no, we like yeah. to have some fun on here. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, because cool. I, I want to ask you about Screw Bowls. <laughs> are you bringing that back or are we doing? I, I wish I could. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, love mean,
2: that place. I, I went you there you quite a few times. I had so much fun. A couple shows ago, we talked about, uh, Marty talked about how he uh, pooped his pants trying to get into his house one time.
5: So Thanks for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah, I am. Right.
0: <laughs> the kind of stuff we throw around. Is that yeah. By yeah. honor or what? Yeah, honor. Yeah. 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 Ray, thank you again yeah, for you. Uh, joining us. I'm glad I finally made it. Oh, my gosh. We are, so too. Are we? This was We're, awesome. Was yeah. a pleasure. Thank you for coming in. We're
2: thrilled to have you. Thanks uh,
0: great. Ray, let's uh, pitch some things, make sure the audience knows where they can find you. <laughs> it's KMJ.
2: Yeah, usually. That's
0: the one. 11 to 2 every day, AM, FM. Hundred thousand watts. I'm there, baby. That's right. He's across pretty yeah. much
1: all of California for the most part. Yeah, if you can't make that time, you they got the podcast. I mean, they got the uh, they do the podcast. Sanjaynow
3: dot yeah. Just find my name and hit the podcast, and you can hear it all. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: actually the most
3: listened to
0: podcast in the Central Valley. Like this <laughs> killer interview I
3: did today with this musician in in Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, god. Oh, we'll check great. that one out. It was just great. Yeah.
0: Awesome Poor guy. Um, check it out, everybody. Listen to it. Remember, share, subscribe, and remember, five stars is the. Correct number Number of stars, stars, people. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.